now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. I'm your host, Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Barn Grill, located over at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago, open for business this fall. They've got some great deals for the Bears games as the season winds down, and be sure to check them out next season as the Cubs season rolls around. We've got a special guest on the show, 670 The Score's very own David Haw. Thank you for coming on the show and taking some time out of your very busy schedule. Thanks for having me, Anthony. A lot going on. It, uh, it's never, never a bad time to talk about baseball season. Yeah, absolutely, and we've got the uh, the winter meetings going on right now, and there's been a lot of heat so far on the hot stove. Trey Turner to the Phillies last night. Jacob DeGrom to the Rangers earlier this week, Justin Verlander to the Mets to kind of supplement DeGrom's loss, and earlier before the meeting started, Jose Abreu to the Astros. Those have been probably the four biggest moves thus far. Any surprises? Well, I think the surprise probably has been that these players have gotten overpaid. Uh, I think that there's an element of that every year in free agency, but if anybody was concerned about the overall financial health of major league baseball the first big blockbuster deals have removed any doubt that uh, everything seems to be going just fine thank you because in abreu's case let's look at that he's 36 years old and he signs with the astros um they're not in a position of, of desperate need and yet they're going to pay him and invest 60 million dollars in, in a hitter at this stage of his career, you look at the Rangers, and maybe it's just a Texas thing. I don't know. <laughs> but it, you look at uh, Jacob DeGrom, who's going to be 35 next June. He's pitched 36 times in the last three years, and he now is uh, going to be guaranteed $185 million over the next five seasons. So I, I think that the size of the contracts and just the the what that implies in terms of a financial commitment has been a little surprising because there has been, you know, a flurry of activity early in free agency. It might have taken a while to get started, but once it did, I think that the, the names were big and the contracts were bigger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Justin Verlander, he's going to be in his 40s starting next season, and he's also going to be making over $40 million a year. I never thought I'd see something like that. I didn't either. You know, that's a good point, Anthony. I think what you look at with terms of what the Mets did with Max Scherzer and the short-term commitment and the uh, amazing, you know, salary per season, that's kind of the model that Verlander uh, is using and the, that they applied to, to that scenario. They also had to react because they're in a market where they're, you know, competing with the Yankees and they're competing in the NL East, which is maybe uh, the toughest division in baseball. The Phillies just you know, won the pennant, the Braves – are always going to be there. And now the Mets had to pivot and figure out what to do without Jacob DeGrom. It took them about 48 hours. And then they decided just to spend, spend, spend some more. And Justin Verlander in New York. What's also interesting about the Verlander trade, I'm sorry, the signing is that it seems to be, according to some of the reports that have followed the signing, that he had an offer from the Yankees as well as the Mets. But he decided to pick the, the team in Queens because he did not want to play uh, at Yankee Stadium. They didn't want to be in that environment for whatever reason. If there's truth to that, that gives that, that uh, little interstate rivalry a little more juice. But Justin Verlander, I think he's got at least, uh, I think he's got two more seasons 
in him if he can stay healthy. We saw what he did coming back from Tommy John surgery, and I think the the Mets are getting themselves uh, an ace that uh, is going to be committed to make a, a big impression in uh, in his new city. Yeah, and a Cy Young award for Verlander, and and you mentioned the the Yankee Stadium thing. It, it might even be just that Yankee Stadium is a much more hitter friendly park than City Field is. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if I were a right-handed pitcher at the end of my career, yeah, I would not want to. I would not want to consistently face lefties in that ballpark if if I were uh, Justin Verlander. So I think that might have also contributed to it. Maybe. Maybe the thing that I mentioned is just the kind of thing that it plays better in the headlines. Mm-hmm. And maybe what you're pointing out is, is maybe the actual baseball reasons because Justin Verlander wants to try to squeeze out every advantage at the stage of his career, and I would do the same thing. So makes a lot of sense because I think that – I don't know if the numbers back it up, but certainly anecdotally, Yankee Stadium, much easier ballpark to hit in than – than uh, City Field. Yeah, absolutely. And and let's shift gears to the Cubs. Uh, they've been rumored and with a lot of different free agents early on in these meetings. And according to some reports, given the green light to spend by ownership, um, what do you make of the, the latest rumblings from the meetings? Well, I think that, uh, you know, as, as we sit here and talk right now, um, you're always sensitive to the timing because what we say uh, at this moment could be, deemed uh, irrelevant or dated in another hour. That's the kind of unexpected activity you've seen at the winter meetings in San Diego. But after the Trey Turner signing and he going to the Phillies, I think what it did was it left the three shortstops that I think make a lot of sense for the Cubs, but they have to get one of them. I've always gone into this um, uh, free agent period uh, believing the same thing and, and repeating it probably on a daily basis on the Mullion Haw show. I think that the Cubs have to get one of the four major shortstops. They're not going to get Trey Turner. Now you can't go 0 for 3. You, even if you have to, quote-unquote, settle for Dansby Swanson, if he's third on your list uh, of shortstops, that would be a wise investment. You can't get come away empty-handed because you're not ready to win right now until you make a, a signing of that magnitude. So I'm, I'm hoping... My, my list would be, I, I hope they get Carlos Correa. I think he would be terrific in Chicago. I think he'd be terrific at, at, at Wrigley Field. And and certainly a big market team needs a marquee player like that. Pardon the pun, but he would be great on the Marquee Sports Network as their mm-hmm. centerpiece just because of his personality. And then maybe I think Xander Bogarts has is, is got a lot of upside as well if they have to go to their second option he's offensively maybe a little better player i don't think he's probably got the uh ceiling that correa does but he's he's a little bit more advanced but it's gonna be hard to pry him out of boston and then swanson who defensively might be better than the other uh two and and certainly the possibility with him playing up the middle with nico horner gives uh, gives the Cubs a lot of hope that they would be able to save, uh, have, be good defensive run save and some of the other uh, metrics. But I I don't know what direction they're going to go, but if I were to prioritize them, it would be Correa, Bogarts, and then Swanson. Yeah, I think that's the order I would go in, and I feel like most around the industry would probably rank them that way. Um, it, it's interesting because you look at the Cubs team and you probably wouldn't consider shortstop a hole per se. Um, but aside from Aaron Judge, who doesn't seem to be in the Cubs price range at all 
these are the three best players available. And if you want to make your team better, go get the best players available. You can work out where Nico Horner plays or if Madrigal hits at DH or you slide Wisdom over to first every now and again. But get the best players available, right? I think that's a great point. And I, and I think that's, uh, that uh, is similar to what uh, the general manager for the Cubs, Carter Hawkins, said going into the winter meetings. That you, Sometimes you can overthink it from an executive standpoint and you could try to always find the perfect fit for your roster or for your needs or what goes into your lineup. When in fact, if you go into, you know, something as vast as the free agent market, especially this year where there have, there happen to be stars available for the right price, get the player and then make the fit. It's not unlike a a football coach who looks at, you know, uh, let's look at the Bears, a, a quarterback like Justin Fields, and you tailor your offense around his skill set. I think the baseball equivalent, as we look at the free agent market, the way we make that comparison would be find the players and then figure out how to use them and where to put them. So don't get caught up that Bogarts is, you know, only a shortstop. Maybe he will play third base. Maybe that's a better thing for your team. Or if you already have a shortstop in Horner, you're going to stay away from Swanson, who might be a similar player figure it out it'd be a great problem for david ross to have and the one thing in baseball that remains true regardless of the era or um you know the the trends is that you can never have enough talent right good good players win baseball games that's that's the the bottom line and um as you look around the diamond there are some clearer holes than shortstop i think center field is one that the cubs have been trying to plug since dexter fowler um first base and third base at least one of them seem to be a hole at the moment. Uh, we don't know what Matt Mervis is going to be once he comes up to the MLB or when that will be, and whether or not Wisdom is going to be your third baseman or first baseman on opening day or designated hitter. So do you anticipate, or even catcher, with Contreras likely moving on as well, do you see the Cubs kind of plugging those holes as well, catcher, center field, and corner infield? Well, you got the the needs uh, identified correctly. I think nice job. I, I we you look at um, the priorities, though. I, I, I think you've got to find a catcher to compliment Jan Gomes at this stage of his career, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why the Cubs um, were uh, mentioned in reports for Sean Murphy, the fine defensive catcher for the A's, and as well as in on Christian Vasquez, a free agent catcher for, from the Astros. Yep. Those two guys would make sense, and I think the catcher has to be near the top of the list. I like Matt Mervis at first base. Curious what you think in terms of whether or not he would be ready and what that would imply if he, if he were to be your opening day starter, for, for instance, because I think that if you're going to do that, that says you're still in the rebuilding mode. I would rather see them go get a veteran like maybe a, a Trey Mancini or somebody like that to – at least give him time to play only against right-handed pitching, and that way you can develop him uh, at, at a more deliberate rate. And then you think you need to go out and get maybe center field because your minor league options aren't ready yet. And then you can never have enough pitching, and maybe a guy like Chris Bassett or if you're bringing the Japanese right-hander Kodai Senga, he would be another guy that would look good in that rotation. But back to first base, do you think Mervis would be ready? Do you, are you one of those guys that think that he – the minor league player of the year for the Cubs last season is ready to make that jump? Yeah, honestly, off the bat, I thought what made the most sense is go get a right-handed hitting first baseman. I thought Jose Abreu made a ton of sense, um, and I would have liked to give Mervis a shot on the roster but not fully hand him the position, kind of ease him into it. 
Um, but what we saw this year is at any level they put him in, single A, double A, triple A, or the Arizona Fall League, the dude mashed. He earned the nickname Mash Mervis. Um, so I think it'd be silly to not give him that opportunity, especially when you're not quite ready to win. you got to know what you have there. Um, but I don't think handing him that position uh, without some platoon option is the smartest. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think David Ross probably would feel more comfortable and, frankly, look a lot smarter if uh, he were to be able to avoid making him the everyday first baseman. Yeah, I agree for sure. And and you mentioned some names that I had on my list here too, uh, Sean Murphy, Christian Vasquez for catcher, and then Kodai Senga and Chris Bassett uh, for starting pitching. We've also heard center fielder rumors for Cody Bellinger and Kevin Kiermeyer. One's more of a hitter and one's more of a defender. Which way do you think the Cubs would look in center? Oh, I really like the Kevin Kiermeyer rumor. Yeah, I really like that possibility. I, I don't know how feasible it is. Maybe they're going to wait for the dust to settle. Um, I, I really uh, like that. Do you know why I, I am so keen on that one? His brother is the groundskeeper um, at Wrigley Field. That's right. That's so right. There's there's that connection there, and he could find out that uh, as he weighs his options, maybe the grass really is greener at Wrigley <laughs> Field. <laughs> that would be good, though, because he's a defensive outfielder. I think they need somebody out there with Ian Happ. If you have, imagine imagine this, Anthony, because the, the, if you're going to build around pitching, you, what comes after pitching is you're emphasizing defense. And if they're able to get, say, Kiermaier and Ian Happ and Suzuki in the outfield, a very good defensive outfield. And then what if you're looking at Dansby Swanson and uh, Nico Horner up the middle without with the shift band, you're going to be very athletic up the middle. And then if you get a defensive catcher in place, the Cubs are going to be very sound defensively, fundamentally sound, and I think that's uh, that's something that I think is often overlooked, but never under never overrated by people in baseball. Yeah, my my high school baseball coach used to always say, uh, "Defense and pitching uh, wins games; offense determines by how much." So maybe if the Cubs kind of implore that uh, defensive mindset, we could. I mean, they were one of the strongest teams defensively in 2016. And we see how that ended up for him. So before I let you go, I'll have a few little rapid-fire questions for you. Okay. Um, there's a report that came out late last night that the Cubs could potentially get both Swanson and Bogarts. Do you think that happens, yes or no? No, I don't think it happens. It's very ambitious. I would love to see it from the Cubs' perspective, but I think that might be asking for a little much. All righty. Ian Happ and Nico Horner have been rumored to be on the Cubs' list for potential extensions after not getting hardly any done during the last core. Do you think those are both locked up before spring training? My sense is it will get locked up. They have to take care of first things first, and the priorities begin with adding people via free agency. Once you get that um, uh, addressed and those needs answered, then it's time to sit down with representatives from Nico and Ian Happ. Both those guys are worth keeping around for a very long time. All righty. If you had to predict who the Cubs get this offseason, we've thrown a lot of names around in this this chat. Who would you say they get? Correa, Vasquez, and possibly the bonus would be Bassett in the rotation. That would be uh, three guys. And then maybe if you want to add a first baseman, Trey Mancini might be more affordable. I don't know if you can do it all, but as you sit here and they haven't signed anybody yet, why not be ambitious? And, uh, and think big. So if I were going to think big, I would say uh, Vasquez, Bassett, Mancini, 
and Korea. All righty. And then um, this could be just a one-sentence answer or however you want to answer this. It would be a disappointing offseason for the Cubs if they don't blank. If it would be a disappointing offseason for the Cubs if they don't get one of the top four shortstops available and they don't supplement their pitching rotation. All righty. I think I like um, the four that you said. You have to get a shortstop, have to get a catcher, have to get a pitcher, and another fielder. I'll go um, – I think they'll get Bogarts instead of Correa, but I'll keep the other three the same. I think Vasquez – um, Bassett, and uh, maybe even Kiermaier you could throw in to be that number four. If they did that, Anthony, that would be a tremendous offseason, and you could go into the uh, spring training phase of next year excited as a Cub fan. I think that that's what you're looking for. You're looking for something that's going to regenerate the buzz around uh, Wrigley Field and in Chicago because, you know, enough with the rebuilding, enough with the uh, losing, enough with the prospects. Go out and buy a team. You've got the resources Buy your way back into contention to make next year relevant and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I've always said it. the most frustrating thing for Cubs fans currently is the fact that they have to pay top of the market to go see the team and watch the team on TV when their ownership isn't paying top of the market for the team on the field. That's well, that's well put. That's good logic, and I think that's uh, the correct way to look at this. So I think it will be uh, a fascinating offseason, and let's hope that there's some – uh, optimism and excitement heading into spring training. All right, last one for you. Cubs win total over under 81 wins next season. Wow, that is difficult before you get the roster together, but I'm going to put the uh, optimistic hat on, and I will say over. All righty, I'm with you there on over. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. No problem, Anthony. Anytime. Enjoy the off season. Look forward to talking to you during spring training. Yeah, sounds good. Hopefully we get a few uh, signings under our way, maybe a nice little Christmas present for Cubs fans coming up. But that'll do it for this edition of the podcast. As always, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and the Cubs HQ website. And you, if you want more of David, make sure to check out 670 The Score from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. daily. Nobody works harder in the city than him. Thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.